0: How many women are leaders in commercial construction? The answer is not enough. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. The woman you are about to meet is leading the way in the field. She's the senior vice president at Bazudo Construction Company, where she's responsible for new business, acquisition, planning, and implementation of new work. But wait, there's more. She's also a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, and I'm going to guess that her accomplishments as a naval officer have influenced her trailblazing career today. Her name, Kelly Kentley, and this is her story. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Candy. Oh, it's so nice to meet you finally. We've been going back and forth, and I'm so glad to have you on the show. Kelly, tell us about Bazuto Construction. I know it's privately owned, family business, founded in 1988.
1: So Bazuto Construction is one of several operating divisions within the Bazuto Group. We are a Vertically integrated real estate company. And our construction arm currently is doing work up in this Boston region as well as the mid-Atlantic. So we roughly do about $650 million a year, which I would say 80% is for a third party, because we also build within, you know, our own account. But we also have a very big passion on affordable housing. So roughly 50% of our work is that product type.
0: Bizzuto has a growing presence in the Northeast, but you're also a national company. So tell us about some of these key markets that you're working in.
1: Sure. So our construction company is mostly looking at the eastern seaboard, but our management company has expanded all across major markets throughout the United States. And our development company is also being very strategic in the markets that they're penetrating, such as California, Florida, and even up and down the eastern seaboard.
0: You're a senior vice president. You have a part in huge projects From conception all the way to completion. It's a big job.
1: It is, it is. And given the recent pandemic and everything that this market is encountering, it's even harder for our teams in the field to get homes built. So our product type is essentially anything with a pillow. So it could be hospitality, it could be affordable housing, market rate, student housing, you name it. So it's an important mission. We believe that everyone deserves safe shelter and sanctuary. So for us, you know, when we're looking at a job early on as a construction company, it's important that we're partnering with the right clients that have similar cultures, similar missions. And so we're very fortunate to have wonderful partners throughout all of this, including our subcontractors. From beginning to end, we like to be at the table. We wanna have input into making sure that it's a quality product that everyone will love at the end of the day.
0: It's interesting because you said anything with a pillow. (laughs) And when I was researching and getting ready for this time with you, the line that kept on coming back to me was, it's home, it's home. Um, It's one thing though, to tap into the feeling of home when you're building homes or apartments, but how do you tap into that comfort connection when you're building commercial real estate too?
1: For me, the home is where you sleep at night. And so for us, it doesn't matter if it's a single family home for sale. For us, the communities that we build are just as important because those individuals could be there for a year. They could be there for six months. They could be there for 10 years. We have a lot of tenants that like to stay for a long time.
0: You know what I'm also noticing, though, is a difference in mindset, particularly for the latest generations of people, where the home-life balance and the idea of work being a more cozy place
1: than a more structured place. Absolutely. I think... You know, that is one thing COVID, I think, has brought to this industry. The work environment has changed. There is a lot more flexibility. And so that has influenced the design. So our apartments are accommodating space for workstations. I think the community rooms are definitely amped up on Wi-Fi, you know, all of that. (laughs) It's a totally
0: different experience, isn't it, from what I remember, right? But of course, I've spent most of my career in a a recording studio, so those haven't changed very much. You are the only woman, though, Kelly, on the executive team. From what I was able to see when I was looking through the masthead and sort of familiarizing myself with this company, how do you make sure that your thoughts, your opinions are heard in a room full of men?
1: It's interesting that you ask that question because I get asked that a lot. First of all, I do have another colleague who joined our executive team, Allison, which is wonderful. She's amazing. I will say that I have, for most of my life, been in a male-dominated industry, whether it was the military and now construction. So that's all I've ever known. And I think from just the beginning of time, having your own voice and whatever that is, and your voice might change over the years, right, it's important that you speak up. And I think that I've been so fortunate, quite frankly, in the very few companies that I've worked at, to have an awesome culture and atmosphere and management teams above me, our president currently, that really support me and support the women in this industry. Because if the statistics, they're quite startling in the industry, it's roughly like 9% women in construction. And I'm very proud, Visito Construction, we're actually hitting the 15% mark.
0: Do you have a project or your team have a project that right now you're particularly proud of and love to talk about?
1: Yes, I do. Your face just lit right up. We do. Well, having come from the military and having a lot of family members in the service industry, whether it's firefighters or policemen, we are building a workforce housing concept where it'll be for first responders. And I just love that. How does that work? Talk to me a little bit more about it. So it's about the leasing. A certain percentage will be designated for the individuals with that profession.
0: Very cool. When I was introducing you, I mentioned that you're a former naval officer and you've referred to this a couple times. Take us back to your experience at the Naval
1: Academy and tell us what was that like? Well, it was definitely interesting and not easy, but it was during a very intriguing time, if you think about the 90s, When, for example, when I was at the academy, they passed that women could be in combat. So that opened up a lot of opportunities for what your career could be. In college, you know, we had an engineering degree curriculum in four years. And on top of that, it was all the naval training. So we'd have leadership, celestial navigation, things along those lines. So it was a lot. Your day was 100% packed. Other women? There were About 10% women only at the time. And it's exciting to see a lot of that transition and and an increase in enrollment. So in a typical classroom, take me back, how many women were in that classroom with you? I mean, if there was 20 people in the room, there could be one or two others, depending on the class, but very few.
0: You were an officer in the Civil Engineer Corps. What is that job like? What do you do?
1: In the Civil Engineer Corps, Particularly when I was stationed one, for example, in New Orleans, we were overseeing all the base maintenance and construction. So then if you have a Civil Engineer Corps, if they're forward deployed, you've often heard of CBs. So there's involvement with that as well.
0: How did your experience in the military prepare you for your jobs in the civilian world?
1: There is so much correlation between the military and then it was the natural progression, obviously, from the Civil Engineer Corps to go into construction. It's all about, in my opinion, process and procedure. The military, there's deadlines, there's a chain of command, there's order. You look at the construction industry, it's so similar. And it was very comforting for me to have that similarity amongst the two professions.
0: You know, you mentioned that when you were at the Naval Academy, not only would you have your classroom training as an engineer, but then you would also be trained as an officer in the Navy. What is your leadership philosophy today, and how was that framed early on by your work in the military?
1: I will say that one of the most important things I learned in the military that I have carried through, and you'll see it often even with young individuals in the construction management world, but I was an officer at the age of 21, 22, put in charge of a lot of people that had 20, 30 years experience on me. They were the experts. So you had to quickly understand and be humble and realize you're not going to have the answer. So how do you rely on the experts? How do you motivate them? How do you get to know them? How do you earn their trust? Or else you're not going to be successful, bottom line. So if you look at the construction field, you have 200, 300 people on that site at a time sometimes. And that electrical foreman, do you think I know more than what he's doing? So it's the same philosophy carried through. and, And I do believe that, You know, my job is to bring the best ideas and the best people to the table to come up with the direction we need to go in. And you have to rely on them.
0: Well, speaking of directions to go on, I'm a firm believer that our childhood is our foundation in this world. Let's go back to your early years. Where are you from? And can you tell us a little bit about your family?
1: I grew up in a town called Bluff City. It was population 1,500, located in East Tennessee. And I was raised by a father that ended up retiring 36 years, Army, flew in Vietnam, and a mother who was a teacher.
0: Tell me about what life was like in your house.
1: I have to tell you, every time I go home, I just...
0: hundred people yes. in your town? <laughs> yes. Talk about everybody knows your business. <laughs> yes. You cannot get away
1: with anything. Even now, I go home and you know walk into a grocery store, and it's like no less than two or three people you run into. It's great. I love it. I will say that, hands down, being in that town, and the teachers I had at Sullivan East High School, Bluff City Middle and Elementary have been by far the biggest influence in who I am today. They supported me. I had the courage to go do something, which was a huge leap, to go into something like the Naval Academy. And I'm really thankful.
0: Well, speaking of doing that, you have to go through so many hoops to get into the Naval Academy. Don't you have to have the support of a congressperson or how does that go? You do.
1: You do. You submit various applications. And so you do have to have what's called a nomination. And so my nomination was actually at the time was Al Gore, believe it or not. But honestly, I never actually interviewed with him. He typically his staff goes through the applications and decides because they all get a certain number of nominations.
0: But you still get to say I was nominated by Al
1: Gore. (laughs) I mean, take it, right?
0: What were the values that your parents instilled in you growing up?
1: You don't operate in the gray. It's right and it's wrong, and you always need to do the right thing. Very strict, very man of his word. And so I, without a doubt, have carried that. And my mother was the person that loved everyone, that she, in fact, was a pioneer in her years as an educator, Started an alternative school. Do you remember the Michelle Pfeiffer movie, Dangerous Minds? (laughs) That was absolutely my mother. And she was tough, yet every one of her students loved her. And, of course, that helped me. I was always protected. They're like, that's Mrs. C's daughter. Leave her alone. (laughs) So um, just they were just both... All just, you know, very supportive and, and took pride in what they did. So I had excellent role models to say, I need to be the best I can be. Brothers, sisters? I had an older sister, and she followed in our mother's footstep and is currently a teacher. Who was your role model when you were growing up? I can't nail down just one or two people. I will say, looking at my mom and my dad, it was great. But I had some teachers throughout my career. I think of Mrs. Morrell and Mrs. Yarbrough that I was just taken by, like how just poised and and smart, and they just were the best at what they could be.
0: Was there a history of the military in your family? Were you kind of following in some footsteps? Your dad, obviously, in the Army. Right,
1: right. Honestly, just my dad. I will say that uh, military, a lot of people in our area do go into the military, but uh, certainly my dad. And then just watching him and his career and all of his close friends and how just committed they were, it was just a very proud career.
0: You mentioned that your dad fought in Vietnam and I thank him for his service. Thank you. Complicated war and a lot of casualties in terms of mental health yes. for boys who came home from Vietnam because they weren't well received. And every time I meet a Vietnam vet and they're old men now, mm-hmm. I always say thank you. Did your dad have scars
1: from Vietnam? The short answer is no. I mean, Yes, I know it existed mainly through my mother sharing some things that she supported him on. But, yeah, it was an extremely tough war. And to come back home to not being received well, like, I just can't fathom that. I can't. But he has just healed his own way. I'll get a few stories here and there, but he's pretty closed off.
0: Okay, so here's the million-dollar question. It's the Army-Navy game. How does that go in your house? (laughs) She laughs.
1: Oh, my goodness. It is such a big deal. It really is. And the Navy was doing so great for so long. And now, not so much. But we have fun with it. We try to, as a whole family, especially, you know, if it's local enough and we can get everyone together, it's wonderful.
0: First day of the Naval Academy. Paint me a picture. Terrified.
1: (laughs) Terrified. They chop your hair off. (laughs) They send you on your way. But I was really excited and eager. And honestly, the first Six weeks, right, is what's considered plebe summer. That wasn't really that difficult. It was all new and exciting. And yeah, they're yelling at you and they're making you do push-ups and all that jazz. But I was excited. It was when the brigade returned. And so the ratio of upper class to plebes, it's like one to like 12. But when the brigade comes back, it's three upper class to one plebe. So you have three people all over you. And it was just... Terrifying. I'll never forget that day. <laughs> they're playing Christmas music, by the way. We finished with Bleep Summer. Now we're starting the school year. And they're playing Christmas music because we're not going to see our family until Christmas. <laughs> it was just mean. They were So being... the torture started right away. <laughs> Absolutely. It was all part of the game. You have a master's from Johns
0: Hopkins in business administration. So I guess you wanted to add business acumen to your experience as a civil engineer. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. What was your feeling on getting your MBA?
1: That truly was it. I think that I just wanted more understanding of the bigger picture from a marketing perspective, from the business perspective, because building, you have to understand how to build, but then how to run the business could be just another, call it, tool to put in my toolbox.
0: You have a very big job. So how do you prioritize home and work? That's There's a, no such thing as balance. There's no such thing.
1: That is one thing I love about our company at Bizuto. It's just so top of mind. They want you to take your time off. They think, believe in it. And for us, the ability to be flexible and understanding and really the team atmosphere. So if someone has to go because they have a sick child and go pick them up, like who can step in, who can cover? Like, I think we figured it out, quite frankly, at it's so It's so refreshing. You know,
0: you had mentioned when we first got started with our chat today that only about 9% of the total population for women in construction is female. So what do you say to a woman who's listening to our program right now who is interested in pursuing a non-traditional role in a company? What's your best piece of advice for a woman who wants to do that?
1: Let's use construction as an example. I mean, honestly, be the best at your job. Focus on you. I'm a big proponent of you can't control the outcome, but you can control the process and you control what you learn and what you do. And I think that Stretch assignments is big. I often look back on my career, and I don't know that I was always putting my neck out there like, hey, take me, take me. I was lucky in that there were managers, leaders above me that were pulling me to do those stretch assignments. So I would say, be courageous. Like, Don't be afraid to step in and try something out. And even if you have your job, this is a big thing that I tell anyone, don't have your blinders on and only be focused on what you're doing look around you be creative offer help to other people how can you solve you know an issue in an organization that maybe is not in your job responsibility that's huge
0: You are involved with a handful of philanthropic organizations. Urban Land Institute, Women's Housing Coalition, ACE Mentoring Program, Jubilee Housing. How has your volunteer work with these nonprofits shaped you as an executive, as a woman, as a citizen of the world?
1: Women's Housing Coalition and Jubilee Housing are both about supporting individuals and giving them shelter and giving them services and helping them in this world. That is very grounding, and it's very inspiring for what we do at Bizuto. And so that is the first I will say. As far as ACE mentoring, I mean, you think about the workforce right now in construction. How do we motivate, how do we reach people when they're younger to be motivated to come into this industry? Because we're looking at a, a potential even more difficult situation with the lack of labor.
0: couple of questions for you that we ask everyone who sits where you are. So... Are there any lessons that you have had to learn the hard way in your life that stick out for you?
1: It's interesting. When I mentioned earlier about finding your voice, that has been an interesting journey. And I will say that coming from the military and how you use your voice then to how when you're a young individual in the construction management world and how you're talking to your subcontractors. And then if you have an adverse situation, what is the right reaction? And I think having the right reaction and finding what that looked like took me time instead of being aggressive back, like how is that really the best version of myself and how can I do better? So I think that was one of the biggest lessons is how to handle myself in those difficult situations.
0: What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? And can you pass that along to our listeners?
1: I think it goes back to focus on what you can control. You can't control the outcome, but you can control the process.
0: Has there been someone in your life who has been that objective third party, that one person who has believed in you through good times and through bad, who has said, you know, Kelly, you can do this.
1: Well, aside from my family, because they are amazing, I will say I have several, and I'm so lucky to have several female role models that are not at our company per se, that there are some there, but out in the industry, Linda comes to mind, Sharon, Kim, there's a couple that are the, my go-tos. So when I'm having a difficult day or a difficult situation, those are the people that I lean on, and they're amazing. Whenever I get
0: a chance to sit down with someone who's been to the Naval Academy and who is a senior vice president, I have to say to myself, hmm, what's your work ethic and who taught it to you?
1: I have to say that probably your work ethic is developed when you're young, I mean, even I look back in high school and, you know, mom never was yelling at me to get my homework done. Like I was already going after getting it done and, you know, what I could accomplish. So I would say probably early years, my work ethic was developed. And, you know, my parents, they had high expectations. They weren't hard on me, but they had high expectations. And I wanted to
0: meet those. My final question for you. And thank you again for being here. Of course. Right now in this chapter of your life, what does success mean to you?
1: Being with a construction company, the first thing that comes to mind is that everyone goes home safe every day from the job site. But the secondary, or really parallel to that, is I want my employees, and Bizuto is big about this, is that everyone should be motivated to be the best version of themselves and to want to go to work and be happy with what they're doing. Because if that exists, if Bizuto provides our employees, if I do my job and provide my team with the support and the resources, then your company will be successful. You have to invest in your most important asset. And for us, that's our employees.
0: I want to say thanks so much for telling your story on the story behind her success. Thank you for having me. And that's the story behind her success for this week. My thanks to Kelly Cantley, Senior Vice President at Bazudo Construction Company. Find out more, bizuto.com. And thank you for listening. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile. So if you know someone I should feature on the show, will you let me know? Just go to candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, -Y O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.